morning, everyone. Joining us uh, from, uh, from your homes, or perhaps in your cars, or perhaps even outside. Um, my friends, um, today we celebrate the solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity, and uh, it is one of the dogmas of Christianity that is extremely difficult. I dread it all week, trying to explain the Holy Trinity to people. I have been, as you've heard, for 12 years now. Uh, I was a deacon for a year, so for 13 years. This teaching of the Trinity um, is central to Christianity. Uh, in the Most Holy Trinity, Christians profess there is but one God, yet three divine persons. And one of my professors, trying to help us, uh, said um, sometimes the difficulty is uh, understanding the Holy Trinity it springs from our use of the word person. And uh, he went on, and I quote, what person means in theology of the Trinity is not what person means in our common language for ourselves. We make a mistake in looking at the three divine persons in God in the same way that we look at three human persons. He said in the human person, there is a complete distinction between those three human people. They are three separate entities. The one is not the other and cannot be. A human person is, in his words, their own person. We follow that logic. So the three divine persons are not persons in our sense. Each divine person is God, whole and entire. But there is only one God, because the distinction between them is only, and I quote, uh, if we may put it, in the relationship to one another, and in, for lack of a better word, the tasks. Uh, that scripture ascribes to each one. They remain the same God who produces all of them and everyone. Comes from 1 Corinthians 8, 6 and 12, 6. As St. John tells us, God is love. 1 John 4, 16. To this understanding, perhaps, then the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit personify love. Maybe that is the easiest way to go about understanding. The Trinity disposes great challenges for modern thinkers of our time and in the past because they feel that reason should be able to explain everything, especially if it's of great importance. So for such thinkers, if there is a God, everyone should be able to understand God. Many great intellectuals and theologians have tried valiantly to explain the Trinity using all sorts of images uh, of special note. One image is that of the sun uh, that is up in our universe, uh, which also manifests itself to us below in three distinct forms, heat, light, and energy. Of course, all these analogies, all these images fall short. Perhaps the most solid approach comes from the scriptures themselves. Although God never chose to give us a dogma <laughs> uh, on his nature, he did reveal himself in history. And that revelation is found in our sacred scriptures. From beginning to the end of the Bible, we find that God first revealed himself as a father, then as a son, and then finally as Holy Spirit. In our Old Testament, we see God acting as father and creator of all. He created the world and all that is in it, the sun, the moon, the stars, the water, the breeze. Without him, nothing 
came to be. We see the Father's great love for humanity, creating us in his own image, the scripture tells us, and giving us authority over the world that he has created. And even though humanity at times has made a mess of things, <laughs> God has not remained distant from us. Through covenants made with Abraham and Moses, God put forth his love for humanity and his care, his care for us and wanting us to be with him. Through it all, God has sent prophets with a constant message. And this becomes important to understand if we're going to wrap our heads around the Trinity. God is a God of love who wants his people back. He wants us to live lives that are reformed, meaning to live in peace, as our second reading has told us. And then ultimately, he wants us to return home to him. In this, we understand God as a father, reaching out to reconcile his wayward children, the very ones he created out of nothing, and who he created in his own image. In the fullness of time, we're told God sends his only begotten son, God the Father, as it were, will step back from center stage now, if you will. Uh, there's, these are human words. I don't know how else to do this. Um, and New Testament begins. And we find this in our Gospels, the evangelists. They will see Jesus spending his life teaching and preaching, declaring God's love for us and calling creation to repentance and to the forgiveness of sins. This is what we heard in our first reading, I mean in our gospel. God shows us by word and deed how to live as his children in Jesus Christ or Jesus of Nazareth as we know him. Ultimately, Jesus would sacrifice his life for us, showing us the way. With his passion, death, and resurrection, Jesus becomes the greatest revelation ever possible of God. There could not be anything greater. Therefore, I put forth to you, revelation ceases in that sense. As the word of God, Jesus is the perfect revelation of the Father. He tells us, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And John 10.30 says, the Father and I are one. And then he will go on in John's gospel, so that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that we may also have them within us. And this is the great news. Again, with his passion, death, and resurrection, Jesus has revealed these things to us. And uh, there could be no greater revelation than him. But still the apostles were unable to comprehend who Jesus really was or grasp the full significance of his message. Many found it too difficult to accept Jesus, to accept the resurrection without firsthand experience. Remember, um, it is in seeing Jesus and speaking to him after his death when he's resurrected that the apostles come to believe. Not before. <laughs> it's only after. So they experience Jesus in this way. But uh, they had great difficulty before this and they had no clue of his divinity even though he had uh, shown it, uh, if you will, in epiphanies to them. So God sends the Holy Spirit to bring 
to fulfillment the work begun by Jesus, the Christ. The Holy Spirit enlightens the early church and helps them to understand and to accept all that Jesus Christ has revealed. The Holy Spirit guiding and enlightening the church so much so that it expands to all the ends of the earth and continues more than 2,000 years later. We're in 2020, and Christianity is very much alive. The Holy Spirit signifies the continuing abiding presence of God in our world today, helping the church to understand and to put into practice and reality the teachings of Jesus. This is the goal of the first apostles. This is the goal of the apostles today. This is the goals of evangelization <laughs> in the most simplest way of looking at it. This is the goal of discipleship. Now that I've explained the Holy Trinity to you, you can go for the day, right? <laughs> See how easy that was? <laughs> no, if only. My friends, we celebrate the most holy trinity today. So let us give thanks to God the Father who created us, to God the Son who redeemed us, and to God the Holy Spirit who continues to live with us and the church as a life-giving and sanctifying force. The Holy Trinity is a marvelous mystery of love. This is probably one of the only ways I've come to understand it. And I've shared with you in the past that my Holy uh, Trinity professor, um, she gave me an A in this, which was shocking, um, because this is how I explained it to her. Um, I started with love. God is love. And we moved from there trying to explain um, the understanding of the Holy Spirit, the dogma on the Holy Spirit. My friends, when we speak about it, when the church tries to speak of it, the dogma of the, on the Holy Spirit is our human way of speaking about the very nature of God. Um, it is all about God and his infinite depth of love in himself and about God expressing this love in relationship with us. God's love is a trinity of expressions in the divine persons. They continue... Um, and here is the difficult part for me, and I'm not sure how to explain it. It's in my head, and it works, but coming out may not. The Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they constitute a community among themselves, and they push themselves outward as love. I don't know how to describe it. Love that comes forth from them, and it shows itself as care and concern for each one of you. What does this mean ultimately? And here's, I think, the greatest thing, most important. All of this means that one day, I and you will return to that community, that love. We will enter into the very heart of this divine God. Then we will understand all things as he knows all things, for he has created us in his own image. And he desires this. And he desires us to be back with him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So if everything else baffles you, don't let this baffle you. He loves you, Father, Son, and Spirit. They desire that you return to them that we may be one community. As in John's gospel, Father, that you are in me and I am in you, and that we may be in them, and that they may be 
It's a community. <laughs> You're describing a community. My friends, uh, yesterday, uh, with great joy, we had one ordination, Father Thomas Tran, uh, newly ordained yesterday. And uh, uh, we give God thanks and praise for this. Uh, on this very day, 12 years ago, I give God glory. He saw fit through the hands of Archbishop Burnett, the bishop at the time, Archbishop, uh, to lay hands and to bring me into uh, the ordained state of life as a priest. Uh, <laughs> you see, the Holy Trinity is baffling. It's kind of baffling that God wants me to be his priest. <laughs> Twelve years later, I still scratch my head wondering, what was he thinking? <laughs> Making me a priest and bringing me uh, into service to the church, means, which means his people. But on this day, uh, I give glory to God uh, for such a great gift. And uh, with it, such a great burden. But with that comes grace. Um, so please know of my love for you. Um, I celebrate this day with great joy uh, because it's the solemnity of the Holy Trinity, uh, because we have one more priest now, uh, and I've celebrated 12 years on this day now of priesthood. And uh, my friends know that we are working as quickly as possible uh, to have people back in the church. Um, we hope maybe by the 20th and 21st to have all the requirements met uh, so that everybody will be safe. Um, it takes a little bit of time. We've been working on it. Uh, and uh, as I said, there's a lot of things to process. A lot of people are not happy. Uh, but this is why it's going to be for a bit. So um, I've gotten 600 emails, and some of them are not happy emails. Um, <laughs> I am but a priest. <laughs> But I'm doing everything I can. Uh, we will make it as reverent and as beautiful as possible. And uh, we will continue praying uh, for uh, an end to the pandemic, uh, for a vaccine uh, that works for everyone, and for meds that are proven that will uh, knock out the disease for people who do have it. Uh, I ask all of you to continue to remain peaceful in this time. I know uh, in our country and in our world, um, People are searching for peace and meaning and for equality. And our second reading speaks to that. We would all follow that. Um, that second reading, so we pray for uh, a world filled with peace and joy and uh, our country to be filled with peace and joy, uh, for our state to be filled with peace and joy, and for our church, hopefully, to be filled with peace and joy. Reverend Christ is an update on our annual Catholic appeal for the parish. Uh, of the 188,000 that is asked of us, we have raised 66,000 so far. So I thank all of you. Uh, continue to pray and decide how you'll support the Anal Catholic Appeal. I thank all of you for continuing to support the parish also in its financial uh, needs so that we continue on with ministry. Brothers and sisters, thank you. Uh, some of you have sent cards and emails um, wishing me well on my anniversary. Thank you for that, know that I love you for that, for remembering me, Ronnie, and your prayers, too. Uh, pray for our newly ordained Father Thomas uh, as he enters into uh, ministry as a priest. 